Welcome to the Psychology Club podcast, brought to you by Vicente Martinez High School. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the Psychology Club podcast. This week, we are interviewing Scott Chavez. Thank you for being here, Scott. Thank you for having me. All right. So we've obviously brought you here for an interview, and we're going to start with our going around the table, saying our names. Uh, hi, my name is Chris. Hello. I'm Nick. I'm Drake. I'm Cassie. Hello. Hi. All right, let's start with some questions, and then we'll get on to the big group discussion. Our right. questions will start with Nick. All right, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your organization to start off? So I'm with the Contra Costa Crisis Center. We're a nonprofit agency serving Contra Costa County. We started, I think, 55 years ago as a crisis line for people 24 hours a day to call in anytime about any crisis, any need. Then about 10 years into that, we started developing more and more grief services, that is support for people after someone has died. And that has grown over the years, certainly our crisis aspect has grown over the years. Also over the years, certainly there's a, an increased awareness, sadly, but positive that we're trying to do something in terms of folks who have thoughts of suicide. So certainly we are both crisis and suicide. So whether it's a crisis and people don't have thoughts of suicide or when people do have thoughts of suicide, that they give us a call anytime, day or night. And then also, by the way, if you're concerned about someone else, that someone else you either know has thoughts of suicide or you think that they might possibly have thoughts of suicide or they're in distress, then you or anyone can call in and then we'll try to coach you on how to be supportive to those folks. Now let's see, so we have the crisis line, the grief services, and then also about 10 years ago, we became the official 211 service provider for Contra Costa County. And I don't know if you've heard of the 211 line. Of course, now you all know about it because we use that line and we've been promoting it. And in fact, I think I brought here these magnets that we have, and I'll show the viewers as well that yeah. all you need to do is dial 211. And we, of course, also have these wallet cards while I'm promoting all of this one side <laughs> in English and one side in Spanish. You can't forget about the Legos. Yeah, oh, Legos. And the Legos. I built those Legos. Mm-hmm. Well, you re- rebuilt them. Well, That's, yeah. Uh, yeah Thank you. You kind of got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will uh, suggest this. We'll see this video now, and our executive director, in case he wants to start marketing Lego versions, uh, promoting the Contra Costa Crisis Center. I believe there was, was a point where you could do that. <laughs> yeah, but, no, think about it like this. It will cost a lot of money to like manufacture your Lego 2-1-1s. You're right. Especially since uh, brand names and all that. You're right. That just, might be just, expensive. Just, make, just get a plastic molder and then just build your own. Yeah, there we go. That's all these cool. options. Yes. <laughs> we always like to explore options and healthy options at the crisis center. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I was going to talk about the 211 info and referral line is something that has developed around the nation maybe about a decade ago or so. And even when I started volunteering at the center in 2010, and they said, oh, we answered the 211 line, I hadn't heard of it. But what the 211 line is about is in most of California and in most of the United States, someone can call and let's say they're looking for services in the community and a wide variety, let's say folks in need. So someone looking for counseling. Well, then we've got a database and we know where the counseling centers are. Or someone needs a doctor and they don't have insurance or something like that, or even if they do have insurance, we can guide them to where they can get help. Or someone needs financial help, 
maybe they lost their job and they can't pay their rental this month, then there are agencies and groups out there that want to help. So all sorts of kinds of help that's at 211 where you just call and we give you the information. But then also at our agency, when people are in emotional distress or want help. someone to talk to... You have we, help for that. You've got... You, you're right. We I've do that. i many helps and I'm just like, okay, I can, I can guess the answer for this one. Oh, all right. Yeah. Excellent. I didn't realize I'd been saying help so often. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I, I, think you really, I think we just answered all those questions <laughs> the whole time. Well, I do want to like, promote one more thing. Now, I know that you all are high school age, but another program, we get some money from the first five programs. And then a sub-program, which is Help Me Grow. So I have actually this promotional item of uh, sanitary wipes. But at any rate, the first five programs throughout the state of California is to provide support to parents when they have kids five years old or younger. And then the Help Me Grow program is a subdivision of that, particularly if the young child might need a little bit more assistance to prepare to get into school, to start school, or might possibly have developmental delay or developmental disability and to get the help going as soon as possible. And then we have these items, and you are free to have some. Okay, my question is, how come it's called Help Me Grow if it gets rid of bacteria? Ah, that's a very good question. That's an you're, excellent you're idea. So you're, you're, you're letting <laughs> you kids grow growing. by killing other li- living uh, organisms. I, I know, no, I got that. I was just trying to be funny, you know. Yeah. And it was. It was very funny, Chris. <laughs> very clever. Good Thank job, you, Chris. All right. I finally did something good. <laughs> all right. I so, think your question's uh, next, Chris. Yeah, let's just move on past that. So if we have a friend who's feeling suicidal, what is the best course of action to help him stay alive? It's a good question, and actually I I had a hard time as I was thinking about that. What is the best thing? I can just think of numerous things. Yeah, because the same type of help isn't going to help every other individual. Yeah. Mm, You're right. You can have those who will um, push away everyone when they're feeling suicidal and those who are trying to feel inclusive, but they don't know how to exactly do do that, and that can also be tied into that by pushing them away. They don't know how to pull them back in. Mm. So what do you think would be the best course of action to take? take for anyone like the basic well i can say that in general in the united states and in a lot of the developed world where i know we have all these programs related to suicide prevention what is really recommended is to if at all possible particularly to ask about the possibility of thoughts of suicide now you were just saying what if you do know but to ask directly now the hard part is when say gee someone does have thoughts of suicide and then what do you do? Maybe that's the next. So let me summarize. One of the programs talks about three steps. And this is, there's a website actually, suicideispreventable.org. Link will be in the description. Right, excellent. And then, so they have three steps. One is to know the signs. Know the signs that someone possibly might have thoughts of suicide. And then find the words to ask about the possibility of thoughts of suicide. Also to find the words of to have a conversation, to be supportive, if, if, again, they're engaging with you, and to reach out, and that is to guide them to additional help or we ourselves to get additional help. So I don't know if that... So to ask someone to try to ask about the possibility of thoughts of suicide and maybe to be supportive, hear what's going on in their lives of what's difficult, what's painful, because obviously something must be painful if they have thoughts of suicide. And if we're able to be able to be supportive, that can help a lot. And then either 
to guide them to make sure that they're safe in the moment and that they can stay safe. Or maybe they could call us at the crisis center at 211. Or if they're somewhere else in the nation, they could call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Or you yourselves could call either of these numbers and we will coach you. Or even in the moment, all of you together in a conference call could call in to us and we could all talk about this together. Yeah, um, I, I was about to say, one of my friends who actually did have thoughts of suicide, they were just talking to me and her small little group of friends because she didn't want outside help from anything mm. else, mainly because she was afraid to go to a, a, a mental hospital right. or something yes. of the sort. Yes. And, you know, I was just wondering, what if they don't want the help, do you? That is challenging when they don't want help. My suggestion is that to speak with them and then maybe to call us because, let's say, when we get calls, whether on our our own local call or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, we have seen that many, many people have thoughts of suicide. Obviously, that's why they're calling. And many of them can stay safe for the moment. Now the hard part is just that, is, try, is trying to figure out, is someone safe? So you're saying you're concerned and this friend or person you're there conversing we, with. We solved the problem not too long ago. Oh. She's feeling 10 times better. Oh really? And yeah. is it, would it be helpful to say what it was that was helpful? I don't really know what was helping her. It was just, I, I just kept checking up on her every day to make sure she was safe and all the mm-hmm. other good. Uh, just being a good friend, I guess. I don't really know. I'm mm-hmm. not an expert at this. I didn't go to college for it. <laughs> <laughs> and even when people go to college, first of all, some of those folks are calling in on the lines themselves. Yeah. And then there are people who dedicate themselves even at post-college level to studying certainly psychology and even suicide. And in fact, if I may, something that stands out to me, I went to a conference about a month ago and there was a man named Thomas Joyner, comma, PhD, doctorate, and he's That's in a Florida. Name. So, well, the, you're kidding, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thomas Joyner, and then there's his yeah, uh, I know. I was just, doctorate yeah. degree. I'm trying to add a little more laughing because of That's the last right. episode. Uh, Mainly because suicide is too serious and, you yeah. know, we don't want to... got to keep it light and fluffy. But and PG. He, he Please. presented, <laughs> Dr. Joyner presented there a slide, and it was very, it really caught my eye, caught my interest, and obviously I'm about to tell you about it. He simply had ideas about what contributes to someone attempting suicide. And he said that people who, in general, feel that they are a burden, certainly that contributes. And then also, if people feel a lack of belongingness. Now, that's a long way to say. The other way to say it is that they feel like they don't belong. And then there's one other factor that was in his diagram, and that is that they need to have the capability of attempting suicide. So in other words, people at various times might feel that they are a burden, or people might feel that they don't belong. Then, but if they don't have the capability then at the moment, or they don't have that energy, or they don't even have the actual means. Let's say, like, if they were possibly thinking about attempting suicide by using a gun, but they don't have a gun, well, so then they don't have that capability. They might have either of those other factors of a lack of belonging or a feeling like they are a burden. 
but then and still while they suffer with that burden that they don't have the capability at that moment for attempting suicide now they could obviously develop the capability of attempting uh, to attempt suicide but that really interested me and I thought about that this may be silly <laughs> but let's say some people are very dedicated to their cat let's just say or their dog and the cat is getting old they love their cat the cat's getting old the cat becomes very expensive right that the, yeah. let's say the cat gets cancer or something and there's not a lot of cat cancer and there's there's not a lot of insurance some people have it so they're spending lots of money on their cat so is the cat a burden yes the cat is a financial burden but they love the cat too much but they yeah, love go. the cat so right so the cat would not would feel like i belong <laughs> if we were able to interview the cat so even if we are i thought about this this is my own thought even if we are a burden and any of us are a burden i think at any time yeah but if there are if we can have a sense of belongingness then that helps now sometimes i believe that for whatever reasons in our own original family system maybe there are challenges and that maybe there isn't as much of a sense of belonging but one can ideally find whatever our source might be and that can be a challenge but to find our tribe find our group i mean just like right here at this school or right here this psychology club or whatever groups are here where people can begin to develop or continue to develop a sense of belongingness i think that can even as any of us may be a burden <laughs> or it's both but if we've got that then that can counteract now also we want to help folks to be able to keep them safe so that they don't have easy access and they don't have that capability or we diminish that capability uh, for attempting suicide How's that for a long answer? That's <laughs> a very long answer. That's a very I feel like that takes up a lot I, of the Yeah. yeah. I, I think right. we kind of jeez. That was like more I, than 3 I believe minutes. Uh, our next question, I think we'll only be able to ask the first one because a lot of them will tie into the group discussion. Yeah. But Cassie, will you ask your first question and then the rest of us will prepare our our discussion yeah. questions. So, okay, so my first question is are there more youth suicides than adults? And which he answered before the podcast even started. That is true, but... Let's answer this till our viewers can hear it. There we go. So, actually, I myself was surprised to see that I looked up from the statistics I went to. There's a website called suicidology.org. And that's through the American Association of Suicidology. And they get their statistics as well from the Centers for Disease Control that actually the rate among youth this for the most recent year 2017 for stats is the same rate as for the general population that's interesting now it's up slightly from the rate that is uh, from last year or the prior year that is 2016 so the the number is going certainly the hard numbers are going up for everyone including youth and the youth have gone up slightly more than the rest of the population from 2016 to 2017. Then the question was, did I answer the question or yeah. what? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. All right, now right. we're going to move on to our group group uh, discussion due okay. to time and uh, battery length. <laughs> so, let's uh, we all have our group group questions and I'll start with the question. 
Why do you think, this is for everyone, why do you think suicides have increased in our youth? I feel like mainly because of, well, this also ties into my little question, uh, social media. Mainly because if you think about it, people can insult everyone from a screen, whether they think about it or, like, they say something or not. And, you know, those hurtful comments do tend to get to people. I agree with Chris, because sometimes when you, when a person has gotten some hate on, in, mm. on uh, social media, it's either full-on bullying or it's just constructive, like, it's, or it's a constructive criticism that wasn't supposed to be like take was taken the wrong way and usually usually it's also from people who have been feeling the same the same like feeling the same feeling way down same. like someone's like doing better than they are and it's like oh i want to just pull him back down to my level see how I, if he feels yeah so he can feel just so he can feel powerful it doesn't work i was bullied a lot in my youth mm-hmm. elementary school middle school it was a lot a lot more but then when it got to high school it was more a lot it was more it was more aggressive and personal I mean, I got, I got, my, I got backstabbed a lot, and I feel like if bullying is, is, I it did lead me to almost want to commit commit suicide at one point, but then I, of course, got help and then it helped me pull out of it. But I feel when when someone's bullying someone, it's because of their own personal feelings or they feel more powerful or their insecurities. Exactly, and they're just feeling just as bad. Like what we said with just pulling them down to their level, and I, sometimes it just makes them think feel like they're not. Sometimes it, it's because they don't want to feel bad, and they want to f- try and f- think they want to act like they're not bad in a way, just by doing bad things to others, and but therefore causing more problems for them and themselves, and kind of creates this little circle. I think there's definitely a large element of of stress to suicide rates as well Um, because stress can cause you know depression or mood swings stuff like that and that could make you think of trying to trying to take an easier way out if you will Um, but there's definitely a lot of stressful situations and that can extend from you know social media or bullying or family problems or anything like that Mm -hmm. I also another reason they could be like we said with stress, also um, during high school it's, and middle school, it's when most kids are hitting puberty, and that's when their hormones are playing off, playing a lot more, and becoming harder to control. And that's when their mind can think of random thoughts and think heavily on one emotion, which also is tied to the mood swings, I believe, mm-hmm. which is another, like um, I think is another element of suicide. Element in mm-hmm. um, use in the use suicide. But we have to do with time, so let's get with Cassie's opinion. Yeah, um, so family problems. It's a big one because I personally dealt with family problems, so I know exactly how some people would feel. Like Some people feel like they're left out in their family. They feel like they're the odd one out. They don't want to go to family events, so they stay alone, which probably isn't the best thing for them to do because when you're alone, you can think about a lot of bad things. Um some people have to deal with family being abusive to them or they or family fight each other and that person a part of that family feels like they're the reason why their family keeps fighting they feel like they're the reason why their family falls apart which could lead to someone wanting to commit suicide and it's it's a terrible thing to be bullied and have to go on social media looking for help only to be bullied even more 
on your social media apps and everything you go to your family but you know that you feel like you're the outcast so you don't want to go to them and it's like you kind of just feel so left out it's like it's hard to see people say that they can't go to their family yeah. because their family is one of the big problems you, you know they so, don't yeah. want to feel like they're the black sheep out of the uh, herd yeah. yeah and to be made fun of fun of that way and to be shamed by all those different people it's hard to find certain b- bits of hope but then when you find that one little bit of hope it makes that moment all the all the more better because it's the first sign of true compassion mm-hmm. and it'll help it, even the smallest smallest string can pull a person out of darkness yeah. The smallest light can light the path to success. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very poetic person. Mm-hmm. That was actually very nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So here are the last couple. Que- or did, yeah. Okay. okay. Here are the last couple questions. And what are your personal self care and coping strategies? Hmm. Well, please keep it short. We only have like five minutes left. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, it's very valuable to me personally mm-hmm. uh, to have some people in my life that I can talk to about anything at all, whatsoever. And these are people outside of my own family unit. And even to some degree, I mean, certainly I can speak to family and speak to a circle of friends, but there are some things or sometimes they don't react well or as, as supportively as I would like. And so I have additional folks that I can go to, and that is extremely important to me. So at that level... And then just a a different level of self-care for me is I love watching comedy shows. Uh, This should be a perfect one. (laughs) (laughs) Especially comedic for suicide. Oh. And then I also uh, am very uh, spiritually oriented, so that is very meaningful to me. Right. And um, talk about the role emotional support animals can play in helping people overcome suicidal thoughts. Do you yourself have an emotional support animal? I do not, but my mother does. I don't know about the connection related to suicide, but I thought of her her cat, actually, <laughs> uh, who is not of that expensive. That's right, yes. But is an official designated therapy cat that she takes to folks who are in distress. And in fact, she just took the cat recently to an older woman who has dementia and was having a very uh, a panic attack or something, an anxiety attack. And then my mother brought the cat, and the woman calmed down. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, you say you don't know why, like how it connects to suicide emotional support animals. Right. That's the exact reason why. It can calm people down. So if you have an emotional support dog, for example, mm. you're sitting there having a panic attack and you're just and you don't know what to do, you're having all these terrible thoughts, your dog can sense that, they can see it mm. in your body language, they'll mm. come over to you and comfort you when like other people won't. Mm. So that's why it's like some people have emotional support animals and that's sure. why it helps with yeah. suicide. I've seen yeah. people who have an, an emotional support animal and it was a snake. <laughs> I lived it. I was feeling. I. I swear. If I. If I ever was given that option, I'd be more scared of the snake. I love snakes. <laughs> Scare, scaring me away from my problems. No, I'd rather be comforted. That's why I've got a nice little cute Yorkshire Terrier. Snakes are cute. Mm. Really? They're not. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're Have you ever cool. seen anaconda? Yeah. I, yeah. Long. I think. All right. I think. Right. Well, right. I think that's all, all the time we have for today. I, yeah. But we want to thank you, Scott, for coming down all this way only to see us ask you questions and act like ourselves but PG level if you want to know more about Scott links will be in the description below and if you want to check out more of our videos we'll have 
links in the description and right here and right here. Till next week, this is the Psychology Club saying goodbye.